Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another episode of the Weekly Beats. And I'm coming to you from uh, Senegal in Dakar. I'm joined by my uh, co-host, Dumi Jerry, who is joining us from uh, Iswatini. Um, I don't know which city you're in, Dumi, but how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Fantastic. I, I mean, we're following the Basketball Africa League here in Senegal. So by default, I find myself uh, having a fantastic week of free games. Not free games, but having fun, having the games in the same city I am in. <laughs> you must be having fun. I envy you. Not so much. Not so much. So um, as we've been, you know, hearing what's going on, um, there has been so much we've seen in the past couple of weeks, I think two, three weeks, with the Russian invasion uh, in Ukraine. I mean, that subject is something that has been covered extensively, but I think on 24th February, Russia invaded Ukraine, demanding that uh, NATO removes its forces at the border of its uh, country with Ukraine. And I think this has seen a lot of impact in terms of, uh, you know, a human crisis, but also for the first time we're seeing refugees at least in my time, I have to say, in Europe, but also when it comes to the sanctions that have been placed on Russia, it seems like there's been impact, especially economically, coming to football fans, even to the point that um, some people are selling out clubs because of this particular invasion. Uh, Jimmy, let me just bring you in as we kick this off. For you, these events that we're seeing, obviously, some people have said, you know, it could be World War Three, it could be this and this and that. But what do you make of all of this? So for me, I think um, it's just sad, the loss of uh, human lives and the displacements of uh, livelihoods. Uh, I think that's the thing that I worry about the most. I was seeing images of um, very like uh, young kids in basements, in bunkers, and it's really not a nice picture. Lots of people trying to flee. So from a humanitarian perspective uh, within Ukraine, it's really troubling what we are seeing. But um, in the global scheme of things, it's got an impact even on us in Africa. The price of oil keeps on rising because there's so much instability in the market currently. I don't know where you stay, but um, all across SADAC, fuel prices have gone up and traveling is now getting more expensive. And you know the ripple effect. Once fuel goes up, it means the cost of delivering food goes up, which means food costs more, which means everything else follows in that. So, I mean, that's just one example of uh, something that uh, we are feeling the impact of all of things that are happening in Russia. We're feeling the impact here. I mean, um, I read somewhere with analysts saying that the impact is going to be huge on Africa. And to be honest with you, for me, I tend to look at the positive and we sent out a newsletter um, in the third opinion recently. I think last week yes. around what the impact could be. Obviously, someone would say that, you know, um, how are we feeling this pinch? You know, Russia is so far away or even Ukraine. You know, countries have been doing a lot of trade with Ukraine. Uh, the other day, somebody said to me, you know, we do so much trade with Ukraine and that was in Rwanda. But also the sanctions now placed on Russia means that, you know, Russia has been supplying a lot of um, mostly its oil to Europe. But most of the oil and gas that Europe consumes is supplied to them by Russia. So with these um, sanctions, do me, 
Mm. Us being on a show that is purely business and investments, I want us to look at it in a different perspective. And this is where for me I come in to say there could be a chance, you know, in terms of uh, Europe turning to Africa to be able to get their oil. Because uh, I think I was reading just yesterday, the German Minister for Energy saying that, you know, they are going to turn to countries like Algeria, Angola, and all of this to be able to start the conversation around um, supply of gas. So for me, it seems like it is a crisis. Obviously, we are so sad, but mm. there is also like an opportunity, especially for African countries, many of whom, you know, 40% of the new oil discoveries have been in Africa. These guys need to sell their oil. So for me, I'm like, okay, there is something that really could work for us here. And I don't want to say it's smiling. It's a global crisis, but I did. We say... For me, I look at it in a way that there are negotiations, obviously. A lot of things um, I'm hoping and my hope, especially with what happens with the UN and NATO, I hope a lot of things are solved uh, as soon as possible. But also, let's look back into ourselves that this is also a reminder to regions like Europe to say, look, turn to Africa for oil. In case something like this ever happens again, you're not left out in the, you know, in the dark. I mean, you've, you've had what people like Elon Musk or even the U.S. now sending somebody to Venezuela. So it's interesting times for me. So, I mean, you are right. A few countries actually um, are sensing, call it long-term growth opportunities from the crisis yeah. because uh, there's been so much dependence on Russia when it comes to certain things. So... Uh, I mean, you are in Senegal, so Senegal could actually be in a position where it benefits uh, from Europe's uh, energy diversification, like you're saying, that um, mm-hmm. we could say to Europe, well, there's Africa. Because, I mean, when you look at Senegal, so Senegal has got about 40 trillion cubic feet of natural gas mm. uh, and production is expected to begin uh, later this year. So that's just Senegal. Nigeria is already a supplier of liquefied uh, natural gas to several European countries. If they embark on a venture with uh, Niger and Algeria uh, mm. on the Trans-Saharan gas pipeline, that will then increase the exports of natural gas to European markets. It takes me back to a comment that was made by the Tanzanian uh, president, president. Uh, Mama Samia uh, Sulu Hassan, when they had the European Union and African Union summit uh, in mid-February, just days before Russia went ahead with this whole thing. She said something along the lines that, the tensions in Ukraine are generating growing interest in her country's gas reserves because mm-hmm. Tanzania has got reserves which are sixth largest in um, Africa. That's pretty huge. So because um, Mama Hassan has got a more business-friendly approach, uh, she has opened negotiations already with Ennis in the hope of attracting mm-hmm. you know, about $30 billion in foreign investment to mm-hmm. revive construction of uh, you know, the various offshore liquefied natural gas fields. So from just an uh, gas and energy perspective, this is actually uh, an opportunity for Africa to double up and increase the export to the European mm. uh, continent since Europe relies so much on this gas. That's just, you know, as we're talking about yeah. gas as well as oil. I mean, you know, the conversation around gas do me now that you've given us these facts and it's really good to also show the audience that you know there is this we already have 17 countries you know already exploiting their oil and gas there is a huge opportunity of course 
lots of discoveries in East Africa, in West Africa, in North Africa, every corner of Africa. Yeah. For me, when I look at it now, it reminds me of the minerals like gold and, and cobalt, mm. the story that we're mm. seeing all over. So my question is, yeah. it, it might be an opportunity in disguise as well, because, okay, if Europe turns to Africa, do we have the potential to negotiate better deals? Are we in that position to not sell out our natural gas like how we've done with the minerals? And I don't want to say sell out, but the, the thing is, um, when we look deeper into trade and, you know, agreements and all the stories we've done around um, Africa's date or investments in Africa, there is always a case of, you know, it's, it's not been fairly done. You know, doing business mm. in Africa has not been fairly done. So is it a question of uh, Europe turns to Africa to negotiate better deals that help the African economies or do they engineer the African political sphere to be able to get better deals with the gas? And yeah. ideally, this even takes years, you know, like a deal could be signed and 50 years down the road, you haven't benefited anything. So it is an opportunity that is also scary. And I think we need to face it. I don't know if we have the potential to really be in a place to better negotiate. And, um, you know, this is a crisis. I don't think anyone has the patience to say, you know, we're going to do this and that. I mean, it's something to think of. Well, I think look at it this way. We were already exporting to these countries. Uh, and let's take advantage of these sanctions that have been slapped on, right? So to me, it feels like we already created the terms already. Now we're doing is doubling up the volume or tripling up the volume to uh, then obviously increase the revenues on our side. For example, if you look aside from uh, natural gas, mm. um, the things that were put on Russia, they might benefit. I mean, you were talking of minerals just now. So you look at South Africa, for example, South Africa after Russia. So South Africa is number two, right? Russia. So South Africa is the world's second biggest producer of palladium. Now, you may wonder where we use mm -hmm. palladium from. It's a critical that we put in, uh, in, car in cellular phones, in laptops, and so forth. So mm. experiencing demand as a result of international sanctions on Russia means we just need to double up on our production and uh, ship out more mm -hmm. volumes. And when it comes to negotiating, really, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct, but Europe is more in effect currently. And so we have the upper hand as Africa. And we need to capitalize on that. And sadly, that's how business is. Mm. So on that one. Similarly, South Africa exports a lot of gold. And on the back of all of this activity that has been going on, the South African rand has been strengthening uh, as a result of the rising global prices for the precious metal. So the markets sometimes are dictating in good favor uh, towards the natural resources that we export to these countries already. So there's no need for much negotiation. And obviously, with all that also doubling up demand, a lot of that comes the need for infrastructure to be able to do some of these big projects. And, you know, and that also, you know, requires investment, which we have to get from uh, FDIs that come in. So so it creates not just um, this, but also we'll see several investors coming in. But, you know, do me. I feel like the world is shifting a certain way. Do you have that feel as well? Like uh, looking at how um, Russia and China have also really grown their, you know, they, they have really expanded their foot on the continent and they have really done it in the past couple of years uh, in a way that I don't know if all of us saw, saw it coming. Of course, we saw China coming, 
But, you know, yeah. Russia was, <laughs> we saw China coming by that kind of friendship and expansion they've had um, across the continent in the past couple of years. And you remember, when you look at the UN resolution, the, Af- the number of African countries that voted, um, yes, no. Or the ones that abstained. Yeah, there's something of this, something that it tells about it. It's like, okay, what's going on in Africa? Are we in? Are we divided? Are we like it's it's like it's like a message sent to the West, but also it's an interesting trend to see for me. What did you think about that? <laughs> so, so obviously, uh, some countries like South Africa, Zimbabwe, they had to sort of navigate carefully the vote mm-hmm. thing. Uh, because they have been beneficiaries of um, uh, the relations that have existed between their respective countries and Russia. So um, they're sort of having to, you know, play a a delicate juggling game. Um, The one thing, though, that I don't know whether this is a good thing or bad thing, but the one thing that African governments had done was uh, uh, sort of diversify uh, their reliance from the West to the east mm-hmm. so they were now doing trade with both blocks so the west as well as the east and these enabled them to diversify the trade uh the investment as well as uh the various aid options china has really um funded lots of infrastructure projects across uh, uh across across the across our continent sadly um but it has its major presence in the region um, mm-hmm. For the last, I don't know, decade investing. When we then looked how it was more of protecting one's interests. Um, they say you should know where your bread is buttered, <laughs> right? So uh, you're right. There's a shift in how the world is uh, behaving now and uh, um, where the power is. The West for a long time has always been viewed as this bully. They have a head boy mentality. They want to bully everyone. They dictate uh, the human rights but uh, sometimes they don't even see the abuses that are going on in their own home grounds. The likes of Russia and China, they're standing up and saying, nope, we're not going to listen to you. In fact, we're going to stop relying on uh, on some of the things that we relied on from you. So it makes for a very interesting global space. Yeah. You know, you were talking about that and it reminded me of um, an article I read this morning because, you know, Russia was just was kicked out of the SWIFT um that uh yeah. system yeah. that yeah so and apparently Processes payments yeah yeah the payment system and then apparently um the banks in Russia have been turning to China because they have their own independent system and somebody made a comment which i found so interesting on on uh, on twitter they were, they they went like you know uh, china has been developing its own internal uh, platforms its own facebook its own tiktok its own you, you know, it's on WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp, and it's like it knew that something like this could happen. So it's like these, these, this pre- preparedness they've had for the past couple of years. That I feel like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we can't just depend on one platform built in the US. What happens if it goes down? What happens if you kicked out? I mean, this is how you're held prisoners, or this is how you're held, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, you know. You're, you're like students and then there's a head boy. It sh- the world shouldn't be that way. And this is just me saying. But yeah. uh, from yeah. what I understand, like I think one comment I just saw this morning, uh, just ab- about before we got on the show, uh, Pakistan also warning, saying, listen, you just have got to give Russia what they are demanding. 
because uh, it seems like everybody is really tired of whatever is going on. But Domi, at the end of the day, we're quite far away. But for me, the question is, as an investor, as a business person, what is in it? Like, what would you tell me? I'll tell you to position yourself in the industries that directly or indirectly supply to Europe. Since most of Europe was um, looking to Russia to get Mm -hmm. most of those uh, resources, they have sanctioned Russia. So now they're looking for new markets. Uh, For example, say a big player in the liquid natural gas. Just find something that you can buy to those companies that are doing that kind of stuff. (laughs) So yourself well. Align yourself with the mines that do gold in the continent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Find out how we can get it. Because like I'm saying, we are now going to be doubling up on the volumes. Therefore, there's going to be a need to double up on um, uh, what you call this, the, the raw materials that assist us to get those volumes out. So as, um, if I were to advise anyone, I think that's what I would say. Stay close to kids or to the industries that yeah. supply to Europe. And and to add on that, for me, as we wind up, because I know we're running out of time, um, there's been also a realization, I can't go without touching on this, there's been a realization of how uh, the media views Africa, Asia, and Middle East vis-a-vis Europe. I mean, there are double standards, and mm. I think now we understand where we belong in their mentality in terms of... Um, to them, I think some parts of the world are second, secondary, like you come as second citizens. Um, and this mm-hmm. is what I keep saying. Mm-hmm. Investment should not only be in uh, minerals or whatever. I mean, there has to be uh, a need to retell our story and own the narrative. I mean, Somalia, yes. Sudan, all these countries still have that, but no one really cares. But there's so much money at stake, there's so much investment at stake, but most importantly... Let's not just forget, uh, you know, about investing in, in, in storytelling. I mean, there's, there's a chance, but also there's a realization in owning our own story because let's face it, the big global companies don't really care. And at the end of the day, it's the platforms like Mansa or platforms elsewhere, not just to say we're blowing up uh, on trumpet, but that will really tell the story. And, um, and seeing that how people have, you know, even labeled the word civilization while covering this 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 uh wall for me leaves up questions like okay where are we in this world where is where is our place in this world but nevertheless we keep moving uh Dumi, i know we've run out of time uh, as always and um thanks a lot for making time today everyone else who has joined the joined us from wherever you've joined from thanks a lot Follow us on uh, social platforms, Mansa Media underscore Africa, or go to our website, www.mansamedia.africa, and keep up to date with our um, newsletter that goes out every Friday morning, The Third Opinion. Get the third perspective from our editor on the stories that make news throughout the week. Have a very beautiful week. The Weekly Beat by Mansa, with your hosts, Arnold Segawa. Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.